Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, you will never guess who has rocketed to the top of the odds list to be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Terry Stotts. Okay, you will guess. And that means we can talk about him. And we have Mike Richmond from Locked on Blazers covered and watched Terry Stotts teams for years. Break all of that down next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes on weekends. We get this thing up bright and early for you, no matter how you get your podcast, where you get your podcast. It's always free, free. We never charge you for this sort of thing. Um, and yet they pay us. It's a sweet deal for everyone. Make Locked On Blazers your second listen of the day. And if you do, you get to hear our friend Mike Richmond. He is joining us. He's been on the show before. Always a great uh, a great guest. Um, and he is going to help us understand Terry Stotts. Mike, how are you? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, this is the real... The real doldrums of the NBA season, so I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to see some other faces and talk hoops because uh, I haven't seen the Blazers play a meaningful basketball game in nearly two calendar years. Um. So, all right, Mike. One of the things that I think is fascinating about the the way that the discussion about the coaching search has evolved for the Lakers to this point is when you talk about the the retreads. Um. Mike Brown got a fair amount of attention there. A lot of attention, and you know, certainly on our show, has been focused on Mark Jackson because it's such a, a kind of a, a fascinating name. But when you actually look at the list, the guy who has the strongest and longest record um, in terms of what was it, eight straight playoff appearances, eight-time Western Conference Coach of the Month, um, which doesn't, I think, get enough attention. It's you know, Terry Stop your head, Mike. Which of those awards do you think he really earned? And which were the ones? <laughs> right. no, okay, no, let's no. go through. So starting in 2014, <laughs> I thought March he really earned it. 2015, right. I thought uh, you know, December he was great. No, I don't know. <laughs> but then, uh, but, like, but then yeah, but like the fourth one, that was just reputation. That was a yeah, reputation exactly, coach of exactly. the month. What do you yeah? I always wonder what they do with those when they get like the, the certificate or something from the NBA. But like it it is it is interesting to me that. You know, Stotts hasn't really been talked about as much, I think, you know, whether by fans, whether by media, but he's probably the most established candidate in the field, I would think, in terms of guys who have a long coaching record. That are also currently unemployed, like not right. counting a Doc Rivers or a Quinn right. Snyder. Right, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Quinn is like, he's the maybe the dream of a lot of these guys, but he they won't fire him yet maybe because they don't want the Lakers to hire him uh, very specifically. Uh, yeah. You know, Terry has been, he was in, uh, he was rumored to have, there was some interest from the Orlando magic last summer. Uh, I think he was pretty close to getting into the rounds of interviews with the Pacers and then they didn't do interviews. They just hired Rick Carlisle right out from under the um, Terry's former boss. Uh, they hired him right out from under the, the Mavs. Like they didn't, they just didn't get into those things. So I think he would have, if, if it, that had come up, maybe his name would be a little more like, Oh, finalist for the Pacers job type of thing. But I think he was a finalist for the Pacers job in a uh, hiring process that didn't exist. So 
but like, yeah, he, you know, he won 400 games with the Blazers. Like he, you just, the resume is there. He didn't have a ton of success in the playoffs, but um, also he made the Western conference finals once and once the most of the league making the Western conference finals once a decade is pretty good. Um, unfortunately, there are some, I'm on the the show with the haves uh, speaking from the have nots. Uh, but so like, it's, you know, I, I think his, I think his resume and his, the, the, the recent success with a pretty good team speaks for itself, certainly a little shinier than some other names on the list. When you look at the Blazers, other than that one season, getting the Western conference finals, kind of never getting past a certain point there, there was almost a groundhog day element yeah. to it in terms of early exits. How much of that broadly speaking, do you think was on Stotts not being able to coach his way through a certain point versus just this is the roster you have the further you get the harder it gets sometimes teams are just better yeah i'm someone who believes that coaching is only probably like 35 percent of the equation uh, i think a huge portion of every team's success is just how good the roster is um you know maybe maybe the lakers tested that last year with a bunch of talent that didn't work out but like yeah i think I think mostly the shortcomings of the Blazers was just that that they had bad forwards. You know, they had two small guards and bad forwards. And I think in general, uh, it it was a product of the roster. But yeah, Terry Stotts was pretty stubborn. If there's a criticism of what he's like as a coach, and we can get into this X's and O stuff a little bit more, he's pretty stubborn. He says, this worked for us. Let's do it harder and better. Uh, Maybe the sort of Mike D'Antoni approach. Like, hey, we know what we do well. Let's go do it. And at a certain point in the playoffs, you have to make an adjustment or just win with talent. And if you don't have talent, certainly you have to make adjustments. And I think there is a shortcoming of some of his coaching was late in his career. He was not capable of doing that. How, how, how flexible was he during the regular season too? I mean, that's, you know, you can get to the playoffs and like you say, run with what you think are your strengths and you have to lean into that. And I at least kind of get that, but in terms of year to year, uh, you know, month to month, whatever it might be, how flexible a coach was Terry Stotts with the regular season? Not, not very. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> not very. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, when Stotts was first hired, he's hired in 2012. Uh, the Blazers were not good. They, um, they were, you know, but they were better than a lot of people thought. They stayed in the playoff hunt with JJ Hickson and Eric Maynard. Um, I don't know why those guys got dragged on the show, but they did. Um, it's <laughs> sorry, JJ, but like the roster was, wasn't very good and they won 35 games uh, and they probably should have won 22. Like they were, they was just a bad team. They took a big jump the following year. They got, they signed Robin Lopez and they like kind of immediately got good. And the mark of those Terry Stotts teams was all this off ball movement. They led the league in off ball screens. The ball zipped around the perimeter. They played Blazers basketball is what he was calling it, where, you know, Nicholas Batum and Wesley Matthews and Dame were just whipping the ball around. And they had this great creative fun offense that could, you know, lean on LaMarcus Aldridge's strengths, but also just like what's better than the sum of its parts because of how sort of collective and inclusive the style of play was. You mentioned all that off ball movement and then screens and all that stuff, setting it up. Stotts has a reputation for being really creative offensively. A, do you think that's accurate? And B, if so, what are the things that stood out with that? 
So it, it was that, right? And then LaMarcus leaves and they turn the reins over to Dame and Dame and Terry crafted a much less imaginative offense. And I think so much of that was Dame's personal preference. And and maybe a criticism of Stotts is not his lack of creativity. It's his sort of willingness to say, what do you do best? What do what do you star player want to do? Okay, let's Let's build something that does what you want to do. It worked pretty well. I think the Blazers finished first and third in back-to-back seasons in offense. Like they were good on offense. It's just they they ran high pick and roll because Dame wants to spread the floor and run high pick and roll. And the the creativity that had marked his early tenure, his first three and a half seasons, went away. And by the end of it, you just knew that they were going to run a high pick and roll. Teams were going to trap them. They were going to just be they were going to they were going to lack that creativity. I think Terry Stotts is a, a pretty darn good offensive coach. Um I think like the numbers speak for themselves and particularly his his when he first took over speaks for itself. But he also leaned he also just kind of turned over a lot of the offense to Dame and if you're looking at the Lakers that might worry you a little bit. Let's stick with that because that's exactly where I I was going to go. Um and you know so we'll talk about a little bit more about Terry Stotts on the offensive side, some of the criticisms on the defensive side. Get Mike Richmond's feeling on whether or not he, you know, would be a good coach um, for the Lakers. Plus, we're gonna play a fun game that's like, you know, one of those like what what are those movies where like people swap bodies, Andy? I, I figure there's like a whole wave of them in the '90s. Body swapping movies. Body swapping movies. That's right. So we'll do that. Except franchises. We'll explain later. Uh, next, though, more on Terry Stotts and his offense. Locked on Lakers brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Get all the latest sports development, league reviews, news, including NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball. Uh, For example, if you're looking ahead to the NBA draft, you can bet on who will be number one overall. The favorite is currently Jabari Smith Jr., who I did not realize actually was this great college phenom when I saw the name I immediately thought to the Jabari Smith who played in the early 2000s and I'm like clearly that can't be the same guy turns out it's his son Brian good for no idea congratulations to the Smiths yeah absolutely Your, your kid is about to be a hopefully very very good player but definitely a very rich young man bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more so head to the website today use your mobile device learn about the trends in action bet online where the games start all right so mike you mentioned it um you know th- he would be walking in with the lakers to a situation with lebron james and anthony davis and a lot of you know maybe russell westbrook um i think that is certainly a live possibility um a lot of people have complained about Frank Vogel's lack of creativity with the offense over the last couple of years. Given both his Stotts' reputation as a creative guy offensively, but like you say, some deferential treatment of stars, what would you expect with that core in LA? Have we ever seen a LeBron James team be creative on offense? Like <laughs> we've seen them, we've seen them kick ass. Um, I've seen LeBron James teams kick ass on offense a lot. I've seen them be dominant. I've seen them be uh, deliberate and just slow down the juggernaut Warriors in 2015 to an absolute crawl and use 22 seconds of the shot clock. I, maybe that's creative, right? Uh, but have we seen a team that whirls around and uses LeBron off the ball and does all these crazy things? Like, have we ever seen Malik Monk set a screen for LeBron James? Like, have we ever, you know, like, have we seen... Some of this is, like I said, that I think the big portion of the for a big portion of the whole equation is players. Uh, 
I think Terry Stotts could make them better on offense. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think he could make them better on offense. Is he going to wildly change what it looks like? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's what you would hire him for. I don't think you'd hire him to rewire the Lakers. You'd hire him to maybe optimize them, make them 7% better on offense, make them a little more, you know, hey, Russ. They need to be more than 7%, Mike. It needs to be much more than seven percent. You have to squeeze probably eleven, maybe twelve. <laughs> but if 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 the scheme stuff is a little bit better, if the scheme stuff is that we're getting twelve percent better, and Anthony Davis makes jump shots, they're a really good basketball team. And 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 Terry Stotts, it can only do so much to make AD make jumpers, right? Like if he shoots twenty percent from three, they're gonna suck. Like that's that's sorry. Like they're they're just gonna be they're gonna be the sixth best team in the West or whatever or worse. Uh, and coaching can't. Coaching doesn't make jumpers. Coaching gets you into a better spot to make jumpers. Uh, and I think you could, what you're hiring Stotts for is to get them in a better spot. But this, they are going to give LeBron the ball and they're going to run some screen stuff for him. Uh, and it's where the other guys stand is really what you're hiring the coach for. I know it's not apples to apples just because CJ McCollum isn't as high usage a player, you know, on ball as LeBron or Russ. But in terms of what you saw with Lillard and McCollum, that partnership and what Stotts did with them, is there anything that you think could be translatable to LeBron and Russ in terms of two guys who would both operate with the ball? You know, both would be pretty big focal points of an offense, you know, responsible for some distribution, that sort of stuff. You know, I, I, if there was a criticism of Terry Stotts, and they were really good together, like again, like finished first and third in offense back-to-back seasons late in the Stotts experiment. So I don't want to say like, he's not a good coach. Like the numbers suggest pretty effing good on offense. Um, they, t- CJ and Dame didn't run a lot of actions where both of them were in the ball that it got scary, where okay. you had to make a decision. It was kind of split, split the court. You go, I go split the court. And I think you can do that. He also staggered them a bunch. So CJ got to just straight up run a unit with Dame out of there and give him the ball. And I think if, if there's something that you wanted to see maybe more of was like figuring out how to just have, have minutes where Russ is on the court with four other dudes that help him be what he can be. Um, and, uh, and perhaps, I believe that the big thing you do as a coach is decide who plays and when. And if you can decide who plays and when each night and get better units out there, I think that solves it more than, um, you know, square peg round hole with Russ as a second side guy on, he can't shoot and uh, LeBron wants the ball in his hands a bunch. That's hard to sort of navigate. How, how was Stotts on that? That was another criticism of Vogel is, you know, everybody acknowledged the weaknesses of the, uh, of the roster this year, but there were many people, and I was not as harsh as as some. But you know, the criticisms are certainly valid that he didn't maximize the the available lineups that he had. Maybe this year was a bad example, but the criticism was there last year. I realize it's a criticism of all coaches, um, but along those lines, how good do you think Stotts is at maximizing uh, lineups, maximizing the, the the talent on hand? He's pretty good. The Blazers never had enough depth that it was like, oh man, he's going to have to be so creative. It was more like they have eight players that can play. Can they find a ninth guy? Um, you know, one year when they, uh, the, the year after LaMarcus left, they basically had a, like 11 rotation players and he kind of figured out how to make that work. They they made the playoffs as a five seed. Uh, Chris Paul broke his hand. They made the second round of the playoffs. Uh, man, CP, a, lot, a long <laughs> list of those. Um so like he was when they really had depth, he was I think he was pretty good at it. But again, he's choosing between like Mo Harkless and Gerald Henderson. It's not, um, you know, it's it's 
it's role guys. It's not what this, it's not like maximizing these hall of fame level stars. Like the Laker job is just, it's unique. Like you guys know it's unique. It's unique in so many ways. And this particular roster is, um, a challenge to say, yeah, I believe the the word you're looking for is crappy. It's a crappy roster right (laughs) now. Um, but it could get better. Like maybe possibly, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's a little, I think it's a little top heavy. I think it's maybe part of the problem. It's a little shooting guard heavy too. They could get anyone who's not a shooting guard on the back half of that roster. I think it'd be really helpful. We don't get wings. Uh, the Lakers do not believe in wings. Uh, steadfastly have avoided having any of them on the team for the past few years. It is an ethos. I don't understand it, but that's apparently what it is. Um, my last question for you about Stotts, Mike, is is sort of like the class management aspects of things. Like you, you kind of talked about it. You know, the Lakers is a star driven job. Um, how do you think he would do with that aspect of it coming in here, being the guy who has to manage clutch, being the guy who has to manage the personalities and and all that sort of ancillary personality stuff that goes along with being the coach of the Lakers? Well, him and Dame had a great relationship, uh, like legitimately a great relationship. Uh, and even after Terry was getting fired and it was clear that it was time to move on and Dame was on board with him moving on, they had a good relationship. Like Dame has said nice things about him after he's been out of the job. like complimented him and all of those things. So I think he gets it. Um, if there's a criticism just from like being around the team is that maybe other guys felt like he was too preferential to Dame, wouldn't yell at Dame sometimes when he obviously screwed up. Um, not yelling at LeBron seems like a great idea. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> like that might be, that might be like a really good, uh, that might be a notch in your belt in terms of getting the late. You know what though? It's funny. People always say that, but I always feel like with star players that you, Ultimately, the coaches they respect the most are the ones that actually have the balls to do it. Right. Like you, That's you what know, they you, say about you, Ty Lue is that he yelled at LeBron. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we saw this with Kobe, with Phil. And, you know, you you have to be willing to weather the storm because it's going to get awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be a period where people speculate and all that stuff. And you, you have to be willing to write it out. But assuming you do, it's, a, it's the same way star players – tend to respond the most positively to teammates that'll call them out that aren't afraid of them as much as they have those big egos they also want to know that they're with people that aren't just shrinking lilies you know yeah i think there's terry's not a yeller like he's he will yell but he's not a screamer like he's not that's not his style he's um he's a structure guy like he builds like the thing that the two things that terry stotts hates are showing up late and forgetting the plays i've seen him cuss people out for forgetting the plays um i've seen him call a timeout to yell at guys in garbage time for doing that type of stuff like he's he'll build structure for sure um it's just like is he you know is he going to be the guy who says you know who you've watched him who watches lebron not play defense during the regular season and yells at him for it. Um, I don't think that would be his style necessarily, but you can help, you can hold people accountable in different ways. You do not have yeah. to scream at people to hold people accountable. Uh, last question I would have is Stotts's teams, at least in Portland, uh, weren't very good defensively. And Stotts himself does not have a great reputation as a defensive coach. From what you watched with him, how much of that do you think was schemes versus just the personnel that he had, or I guess just his own inclinations, focus, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's an offensive guy. Like when he was, when he was the assistant coach on the champion Mavericks, he was the offensive coordinator. Dwayne Casey was the defensive coordinator. That's who he is. Um, you hire him because he's a good offensive mind. Uh, you, the Blazers didn't really ever have like high level 
uh, defensive personnel where you'd say like, this should be a top five offense, top five defense or whatever. Um, you know, one year, I believe it was in 2017, 2018, 2017, 2018, the 2018 season, they did finish top 10 in defense and they were a little bit below average in offense. That was the year that Yusuf Nurkic was healthy. Uh, when he had, when he had his center healthy, they were pretty, you know, decent above average on defense. I think he can cobble that together. If there's a criticism of his defense is that, um, he wasn't very quick to adjust schemes. Like they played drop coverage. They dropped the big, they stayed home. They didn't force turnovers. They played relatively conservative. There's a baseline of playing relatively conservative that helps you be pretty good. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't show zone. He didn't trap. He didn't do all of these things. <laughs> Laker fans will feel like, well, he's, he's going to be a seamless transition into what we just saw. Cause that was Frank Vogel was as good of a defensive coach as he is. He was slow to, and I think in a lot of ways, stubborn to move away uh, from his defensive preferences, which included drop coverage. So, yeah, seen a well, lot. I, of I, 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 well, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. Um, I, I think they try. I think they threw everything at the wall this year, and they they, they didn't have any walls. <laughs> it was like there's nothing even like there was the infrastructure was so bad um, that they they really wasn't much that they could do to make anything work. Um, Let's let's take a break here, and when we come back, let's let's start. And Andy and I are, are preparing to uh, uh, to for for a series of conversations, basically amounting to: Would you switch places with this team? Uh, you know, ownership, roster, salary cap, um, players, all of that stuff. Um, and we're going to start with you, Mike, and the the Portland Trailblazers. And as a Portland guy, would you trade places with the Lakers? That's next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And look, why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more going to a traditional chain storefront for the exact same auto parts or a new car dealership where they're really looking to jack it up? You can get way, way better prices at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks at a chain store, only 216 from Rock Auto. You know why? They're a family business. They're looking out for regular people like you and me. They've been serving auto park customers online for 20 years. So whether it's for a classic or a daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. So, you know, obviously there are not a lot of teams around the league that aren't in a better situation than the Lakers, even with LeBron, even with AD. You know, they have no draft picks. They have no other players. And uh, their guys are old and injury prone. Uh, and it's, you know, no questions. other proven players, you know, right. they believe in THT, then, the, you know, there's a possible potential there. Stuff He's like him. That. Well, they don't. They are not steeped in assets or options, right? Uh, at the moment, that's probably um, that's a better way of putting there, it. There are um, questions. There are questions, obviously, about the front office. That we they don't have a coach at all. There are questions about Jeannie Buss and whether or not she really is capable of being an owner that can be a leader. All, all of that stuff. So there, you know, there's a lot that's on the shoulders right now of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the appeal of Los Angeles and the law. Meanwhile, you know, the Blazers have their own set of problems with uh, 
with figuring out what to do with Damian Lillard, who is getting a little bit older and probably more expensive than his play on the court would uh, would merit. And you got some some other roster issues and some rebuilding questions. But there are some um, decent young players on the roster. And I would like to point out that uh, Portland will be allowed to participate in the NBA draft uh, multiple times between now and say 2052 when the Lakers will next be joining it. So um, with that in mind, Mike Richmond, if given an opportunity to swap everything with the Lakers, basically, would you do it? Would you rather be the Lakers or would you rather be the, the Blazers right now? I'd probably rather be the Lakers because I think the point that you start Damn with is, right you would, Mike. is LeBron. <laughs> like, to be quite honest, the thing that you want to trade with the Lakers is the laundry and the location. Like, that's the that's the appeal, right? Is that the, the jerseys aren't, there aren't Clippers jerseys. There's real appeal to them being in foreign blue and gold and they're in Southern California. Like, that's the appeal, right? Like, this is, it's just a, it's, that's it. The rest of it is a mess. Um Today in the Los Angeles Times, I don't know when this show is going to come out, but today in the Los Angeles Times, Jeannie Buss cried about paying the the, the luxury tax. Like, boo freaking who? Get out of here. Um, <laughs> you own a billion dollar asset. It's expensive to run one of these. I was like, it's an expensive little hobby. Um, it's expensive, uh, you know, it's an expensive endeavor. Uh, it's, sometimes it doesn't work out. Cry about it. Uh, you did. And uh, honestly, great work by Dan Dan Wojcik and Brad Turner to get it on the record. Uh, uh, Bill Plasky. Oh, it was Plasky? Yes. Oh, of course, of course. Plashkey can get people to cry. That's yeah, I was going to say, one of the greats. Um, but like, it's, the Blazers' ownership situation is straight up worse. Uh, Jody Allen, who inherited it from her brother, it's run by the Allen estate. Jody Allen is the is the head of the estate. She's not really the owner of the team. They want to sell the team, and they will sometime here in the next two years. Uh, the Blazers are, they have six NBA players on the roster, and two of them are Nazir Little and Justice Winslow. Make of that what you will. Um, they've they're they're going to be mediocre and expensive immediately, and so are the Lakers. But they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like I'm willing to wager that I, if my second best player is Nurk or Ant Simons, I'd rather it just be injury prone Anthony Davis because when he's not injury prone, he's he's just better. Uh, the draft picks maybe you're in a better situation with the Lakers, but I don't know. I like I think the Blazers are one of maybe like four teams in the league that are in a worse situation, like just front office ownership situation wise than the Lakers. So uh, congrats to Portland. You did it. <laughs> well, this is, this is among the reasons that we wanted to uh, play this game with you, Mike. You, we, we didn't about... want to have like 26 episodes of, of Nope. I'd rather be my team. We're going to start with something optimistic for Lakers fans and then crush their dreams. Um, when you talk about the the Lillard question, and you know he's coming off a, a season that was more or less missed, um, right. he, he was not there at all. There's questions about that ab strain moving forward. He's he's dealt with more injuries, period, over the last couple seasons as he gets older. He remains though a really good player when he's yeah. on the court. And in the meantime, though, with the Blazers, you have this opportunity to have him play out his entire career as a lifer, as arguably the greatest player in franchise history, as an icon. And from a fan perspective, that means something. Like how much do you how much do you look at that as a potential positive for whatever happens with the organization moving forward? Yeah, invest in the vibes or whatever. Uh yeah, I think I, I think there's I mean, something... we went through this with Kobe the last few years. I mean, as depressing as it was. 
Kobe's last few seasons post Achilles when he was nowhere close to the player that he was. And, you know, there were a lot of decisions that were made around him being on the roster that frankly were terrible. And they, they were, they were short-sighted and I think rooted in fear and image concerns, all that. You still got 20 years of Kobe with the Lakers. And, and that means something like I, Absolutely. I it's important. It's it is very different than you know Patrick Ewing in a Sonics jersey. There's yeah. just there is uh that is you know Hakeem in that Hakeem in the Raptors jersey. That <laughs> is weird. You don't want to see it. Um so there's something to be said for that. Uh Damon Lloyd's under contract for three more years. He's eligible for a max extension this summer. Uh I've said this a bunch on my show. I'm not reporting it, but I think he's gonna get that max max extension. Um just this is an educated guess. Uh I, I if I had it locked. I wouldn't be saying it on, on Locked on Lakers. I would just have tweeted it out on my own Twitter feed. But I, I truly believe he's going to sign a max extension. Yeah, I have my own podcast, y'all. Why, 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 um, why are you not going to help him? Like, are you not a team player? I mean, we talk, we, the, the emails go out all over. Let's all be team players and let's like support each other and do that. Why can't you break massive I wanna be on at our the, show? I want to be at the top of the email, not the bottom. At the bottom, they talk about teamwork. At the top, they talk about individual. I mean, I look, if we, news, <laughs> if we hear news, if we hear news, about Kendrick Nunn getting traded, we're happy to break that yeah, news. We'll that there you out. go. There you go. I'll bring you on. Uh, what's did did Kendrick Nunn play a basketball game here? If the, the Lakers day? hire Terry Stotts <laughs> next year and he wins a ninth Coach of the Month award, we will come on your show and we have inside knowledge of it. We'll we'll announce it there. We'll we'll Perfect. scoop the league. Perfect. Okay. You know what? Fine. I'm reporting it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Like I think Dame's going to sign a max max extension. Um, he's going to sign. Two years, $100 million. That means in his 36 year, 36 on earth, he's going to be making 55, 56 million bucks. That's too much money. It's too much money in a salary cap league. No way to no way to slice it. It's too much money to give someone in a salary cap league, particularly a team that's not great. Um, but there's having Dame on the roster, I think he's for the first time in his career, he's underrated. He's never been underrated. He's finally he's finally uh, threaded the needle. He's underrated again. I think he's going to be one of the 15 best players in the league next season. Um, I think there's reason to believe he could do that for at least two more years. Uh, then we'll talk about age and all of those things. But like, yeah, I, there's there's something to be said for having a player that good and a player that committed to you, the Portland freaking Trailblazers. It's uh, there's there is something special about a Dirk. There's something special about a Kobe. Like and and and. Obviously, Dame hasn't had the individual success of those two gentlemen, but it he would be sort of on that level. It just and it gets to and this, this. I guess sort of my last thing is like this is the bind that you get in in the NBA, and the Lakers are in it, and the 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 Blazers are in it, and just about any team that has one of these guys is in it. Is that they're so hard to find, and you know what the problems are going to be, you know what the risks are, and you know exactly how it's going to go wrong if it goes wrong. And you still, if you want to try to put a competitive product on the floor, are often faced with decisions in the NBA where you know you have to do it anyway. And you have to just go all in with these stars because you can trade them, but you're probably committing yourself to at least four or five or six years kind of out in the wilderness before you get back. And that's if you're lucky. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the trade-off, right? Is like I, I have some some friends who are who are telling me all the time, tear it down, burn it down, screw it. They're never, you know, they're they're destined to be mediocre again. Uh, and my argument would be, you can spend five years in in the woods and end up mediocre again. Uh, there's there is, it depends on what you want out of a team. And if you want these sort of, I don't know, like warm fuzzies of having 
the guy be your guy forever. There's something to be said for being mediocre with, um, with what, you know, um, when you look at right now, cause franchise culture with the Lakers is an issue right now. And it's a, a very big, uh, question for the future and, and, and just sort of where things are headed you know, with Rob Palinka, with the very insulated front office that they have, accountability, all that stuff. What sense do you get in terms of com- in comparing and figuring out which franchise you'd rather be of the Blazers' culture right now in terms of Neil O'Shea's exit, the the toxicity that went along with that, and I, I guess how things could get better when, when you look at overall franchise health? Yeah, I mean the Blazers are uh if if the Blazers probably touched rock bottom at some point this year, right? Like they're the president on the business side walked out within 3 weeks the they had to fire their GM uh like then they tore it down to the studs. Like they, this is um uh, then they lost 21 of their final 23 games of the season on purpose. They lost by 30 uh seven times in the year 2022. They just got annihilated most nights. Like this is they're they're near rock bottom, but you what you're banking on is that the the like health of Dame fixes the fixes the culture. I think it's similar with the Lakers is that you you're banking on the talent of LeBron James brings up some of the negativity. Hey, he's so darn good that that you know it will that the tide will rise because of him. And I think it's somewhat similar to what's going on in Blazerland is that they, you know, it's been really bad and messy here. And I think Dame openly questioned his future with the franchise last summer. And that was sort of the, the beginning of it getting a little bit turbulent out here. And it's only gotten worse from there. And you think now the waters are less choppy and they can kind of become whatever's next. But it took a lot of a lot of messiness to get to this point where they're building to whatever's next. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of messiness leading up to the point where the Lakers fired, where Jeannie Buss fired her brother, fired Mitch Kupchak, brought in Magic Palinka. There was messiness after Magic's exit, and we're currently in another period of mess. So that's really, that's the thing. You know, I know, like, that's part of why I mentioned Stotts's track record in the sense of, like, yeah, it's underwhelming in terms of playoff performance. And I, I don't think a lot of Lakers fans would be particularly excited with if they hired him. I, I don't no, think this would be a... Not a sexy hire. A zaz, Yeah, there's not a lot of zazz behind that one. Um, but, you know, getting the team to the playoffs over and over and over again sounds like something Lakers fans would scoff at, except the Lakers have missed the playoffs all but two years in the last decade. So it's like, eh, you know, let's... Let, you know, we we kind of got to get back to a place where the Lakers are, are walking before they run. Where there's an actual foundation. Yeah. yeah, Terry Stotts' teams con- consistently overachieved. Um, hard to do that with the Bla- with the Lakers, right? Like they're good. Overachieving is winning two titles in one year. Uh, like they're so, but like they were consistently beating the Vegas over unders for the season. Like he took rosters that were expected to be kind of bad and made them kind of good. Well, that's something that uh, would have come in handy last year. <laughs> Could have used kind of good. Um, the The podcast is the Locked On Blazers podcast, where Mike hoards all of his breaking news and doesn't share with any of his colleagues. Um, but you, you definitely want to check that out over the off season. Um, we'll see what happens. These are two teams in very interesting places um, with with some you know you know the Blazers are not an insignificant team in the league, so. Um, 
We'll see what happens there. Uh, Locked on Blazers is where you go for that. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you go to see all of this stuff uh, if you want to. And we will see everybody next time.